Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Uh, you're starting on a great note, Phil, of veggie sticks. I don't know if you just heard that. Uh, last, <laughs> So we have meetings, all four of us together, and we're all four here today. And last couple of podcasts, it was Elizabeth, you and Diane, mm-hmm. and then Phil and I, and now it's all four of us. We're all happy to be back. Everyone happy mm-hmm. to be back? We're yes. Happy to be yes. Back. Yep. At your house this time. We're at our yep. house today. Um, but it was funny because we were just talking about, you know, when we have meetings Whenever the girls, especially our two little ones, Birdie and Sloan, go to your house and we have a meeting, there's always the Z-bars and the veggie sticks. Mm-hmm. They count on it. Last meeting, I made a terrible choice. And they mostly grab a bowl and they put some veggie right. sticks in the bowl. And mm-hmm. then, and it's we a were, very small bowl. It's a small bowl. It's a very normal portion. I don't know what I was thinking, but I just handed Sloan the bag. And it was like, <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, just, just put some in the bowl that you have in the room and then yeah, we're good. They don't get veggie sticks <sighs> at home. Yeah. That bag was gone. It was. Did you guys know that they, they ate no. all of your veggies? No, but I'm really glad bag. because at Pops and Amma's house, the answer is <laughs> almost, almost always, almost yes. like yes. yes. They and definitely did not eat dinner that night. At they all. did. I remember they were like, "I'm not hungry." I was like, "It's because your stomach is full of starch." At our house, they expect it of us. <laughs> they they do. do. They do. So that's the note we're starting on today. No uh, veggie we sticks. We can say, "I'm so sorry." Your mom said no. You can only have two <laughs> bowls today. That's yeah, how sorry. we do it. Oh, That's I the know. joy of grandparenting. And I we did send them back to you. The first, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> we so appreciate that. Uh, actually, though, this morning, I don't know if I told you this, Phil. Uh, I was thinking about you because I think you used to do this with the kids. But last night, as a way of accountability, so I'd run this morning, I told the girls, hey, uh, we're going to go on a bike ride tomorrow morning. I'm going to run and you're going to ride your bikes. Okay. Yeah. And they were so excited about it. Yeah. And so this morning we did, we got, we got up early and I ran and they rode their bikes. They were just elated about the whole idea, mm-hmm. but it's a great, just as a thought for any parent, it's like, I need some more accountability exercising. Tell your kids that you're going to right, tell yeah. them to do something. They would have not <laughs> let me stop no matter what. Like I would have, I had to follow through a thousand percent before Sloan went to bed. She's like, can't wait to go on a, bike ride and run with you dad tomorrow. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> so I used to, to jog in, in Aptos by the ocean breeze with, with John, kids, Mark, right? John Mark riding a bike next to me. Yes, but then yeah. we ended up at Kelly's Bakery and cut <laughs> yeah, which we, probably blew the calories we burned, but it was a fun father-son I, thing. I never we got did it there. A long we, time. we don't yeah. have, yeah. we're not running by any bakery. We happen to live right by a cool one. Anyway. Yeah. Aptos is a, a beautiful spot. So also in our world, I think we just have to mention we're so excited. We're only a few weeks away from the Intentional oh, yeah. Motherhood Retreat. Mm-hmm. Diane, Elizabeth, how are you feeling about this? We're getting close. We're getting close. I think it's becoming more, it's seeming more personal now. You know, before it was like, oh, I have all these deadlines to get things prepared. Sure. Now it's feeling a little bit more, oh, I can't wait to share some of what God has been teaching us. Yeah. Um, with these women. And also for me, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I would have loved this 
when I was a young mom mm-hmm. trying to learn up from mm-hmm. down and even just being around that many women who are mothers or wanting to be mothers or have been mothers already done raising their children, I think it's just going to be just a, a room full of riches and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. How about you, honey? I am so excited. Like, I think most people don't know this about me, but I don't love to speak in front of people. Like, I would be 100% happy to be in the back row, fully supporting whoever's speaking. Neither of you do, which is comical to me because you're both so gifted. And I'm super hard on myself, second guess everything I say. And I don't think I have ever been more excited to share the messages. It really feels like God has put on our hearts. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever been so confident about what we feel like God wants mm-hmm. us to talk about yeah. and to share. It feels like it is for such a time as this. Yeah. It really does. It and does. so I can't wait, which you know me, that's right, for yeah. me to say I that know. and not have some like fear statement yeah. following that is uh-huh. a big deal. And big each deal. of us, Elizabeth has uh, a message that she'll share alone that is just, I think, going to be the highlight of the retreat. Mm. I have an opening message that is very much on my heart to get things started. But then we have a couple of messages that we're sharing together, which has been, we've never prepared anything together before, but it has been really, Elizabeth taught me how to do Google Docs. (laughs) Before we started this podcast, she's like, it's on Google Docs, like no big deal. NBD. On my phone. (laughs) On your phone. Yeah, Google Docs on your your phone's Um, next level. But it is way better than, you know, adjusting Word documents. Yeah. Working alone, yeah. where documents are good. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it has been such a pleasure for me to see. You know, you raise your children. You, you're trying to instill as much wisdom as you can for about mm. that first, you know, eighteen years if you're lucky, eighteen twenty years. But then you see God take that little bit of a foundation, weak as it is, and and for me to watch my daughter partner with God and become this woman of such wisdom has been such a delight. Her insights, her way of saying things, mm. her way of framing things with compassion, but she's still a, a woman of, of courage and conviction, mm. has been just the highlight. It has been a real highlight for me. I haven't Thank even you, told Mom. you this, Elizabeth. Yeah, this is, really I'm not, saying, yeah, this is genuine, real moment. Um, yeah, it is. Um, just to be able to work with you and to be so astounded by your mm-hmm. insight in the Word of God, her commitment to the Word of God and living out mm-hmm. the Word of God in our current culture mm-hmm. in different circumstances is just a great blessing to me. And I think just for that, this this retreat is going to be just, like I said, rich. I think yeah. it's going to be rich. I agree. I can't wait. I, I'm Thank super you, excited about it. I'm not even a girl, and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not doing anything except managing the stage. But I just feel like God is going to do yeah. something special here. Yeah. I just, and I'm not a big, it's you know, name it and claim it, faith guy. I just, yeah. I just know it's going to be a special weekend. Yeah. And you know what you just said is you have now experienced Third John four. Yeah. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. We keep telling Absolutely. parents, like, you do all the hard work when they're little, but when your kids grow up and actually follow the way of Jesus, it's like, I can go to heaven now. It's like, it's like yeah. there's just nothing like it. It's yeah. better yeah. than pots a, of money. A level or, of satisfaction it's a level, yes, that of joy. you just can't really describe. You, yeah, it, it comes from God. It's a gift from God. Yeah. That's why children are a gift from the Lord. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, we're at this stage where we get to still help, assist, and undergird, yeah. and mm-hmm. pour into you guys and all of our kids and our grandkids, we still have a 
important work to do but like our primary job is done and now we're getting to rejoice in the victories and see our kids actually walking with jesus there's nothing like it which is why we want to keep doing intentional because we want thousands of parents to grow up and be able to say something like diane just said yes yeah i'm just thinking about i was just waiting for you to make a because I'm going to be dead soon comment. And I was just so glad you didn't make it because I was like, well, we have to say no. Yes. I'm very comfortable talking about that, but you guys don't seem to like it. So I'm starting to say oh, it. This is my favorite. To, to the, me, it's like every day just, matters, man. I was just camping with John Mark and Steve and Matthew. And this is my favorite line of the whole camping trip. And John Mark said, I just overheard him talking to Matthew. And this was the line. Yeah, of course I pray in front of a skull every day to remember my the importance and the brevity of life. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder and, who he and, gets that and, from. And, and Matthew goes, dude, you are so weird. Like, It was the best brother moment. Yeah. Was so he is my firstborn son, but I did not tr- teach him to pray in front of a skull. No, that's great. I, but the idea hey, is a beautiful but living life. It's Every a day idea. in the light of Christ soon return just energizes it does. me. Like, it does. It true. totally does. And, and I don't know how many days I have left, but I won't talk about it. But I want to do that. I was that. just waiting. When we were in Oklahoma, I wanna, Phil, I don't know if you know this. He told me when we were in Oklahoma, we were speaking at a church, and he said to me, now listen. if <laughs> We were I, going by a cemetery. Yeah. And he goes, listen, if I die, we're kind of in neutral zone right in now. Oklahoma. So if I die in if Oklahoma. So if I die in Oklahoma with you, I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you telling me this? <laughs> If I die in Oklahoma, I just want you to know, please send my body to, <laughs> to Santa Clara. To Santa Clara. <laughs> That's right. Because Diane doesn't want me to be buried there because the kids will never visit my And I think if we're in this neutral zone, it might work to get me there. <laughs> That's right. I did tell you that. And I was like, if that's your dying wish, I mean, I might have to try to honor it. But I said, I don't know if it's going to pass. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff that so we talk about when he's gone. until we get this settled. This <laughs> yeah. What did we talk about when, I, when we all went to Froyo and I... I oh treated you guys gosh. to yogurt. <laughs> yeah, we were. We went the other night. Well, because Diane and Elizabeth, you guys were in LA last week working on some of these teaching stuff, but visiting Bex and the new uh, nephew and new grandbaby. Mm-hmm. It was so sweet to see that him again. Um, but what did you say? We we'll went start off with for- Birdie. Uh, she said her favorite food is a hamburger right now. That's so right. I said, I'm going to take right. you out for a hamburger. So then I just said, hey, if you if oh. you murder someone and you're on death row, you get to pick your last meal. I said, so Brooke, if you killed your father-in-law, what would be your, he said, oh you said sushi. Yeah, said it was sushi. a fun discussion. It was fun. I mean, I did yeah. have an answer right away, but not the murdering my father-in-law. You, you, you said sushi. It was, that's all. So hopefully things don't go so south with intention okay, that so I have to kill Miles- you going to edit this whole no, part of the conversation no, Miles, we out to keep of the same. this. Uh, no, um, <laughs> all that said, the Intentional Motherhood Retreat, we're going to have fun. If you couldn't tell, we're going to have fun. It's not too late to sign up. Yes, there's still yeah. tickets. Click the link in the show notes. It'll say Intentional Motherhood yeah. Retreat tickets. Click that. And then yeah. there's still tickets. There's still room. Um, so come out. Uh, and actually some fun things to maybe just tease you with a little bit. We actually did for the first time, we did some really fun intentional merch, which I'm really excited mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Some really fun things. Yeah. And um, we just have some some surprises for the week. It's going to be yeah. a great time. and can't wait to connect with all of you. So and we're going to be there. One reminder to moms, this is not a retreat where you're going to hear all the things you ought to be doing and aren't doing right and Mm. should start doing right. This is really a retreat for you as a woman who is in the midst of raising your children, not how to be a better mother, but really um, about God meeting where you are in in your life right now Mm -hmm. and what he wants to do with that. Yes, and all four of us will be there, so all four of us would love to meet you and love to talk with you, Mm -hmm. and we're looking forward to, to that week. So 
sign up that's october 5th through the 7th again you can just check out the link in the show notes and also to everyone who has rated and subscribed thank you so much so many of you have been rating and subscribing and leaving comments it's a huge gift to us and if you haven't had a chance to do that whichever platform you prefer whether that's spotify or apple Podcasts, would you just take a second leave us a comment that's really helpful to us helps us get the word out about what we're doing and we so appreciate that don't we it's such a gift Mm -hmm. to us and so thank Mm -hmm. you and uh, today we want to talk about creating different kinds of culture in your home. Um, and specifically, we want to talk about creating a culture of mercy in your home. Mm-hmm. And Diane, I'm thankful you for bringing this topic to the team. And thank you for bringing this up. And it was fun. We just got done talking about it and all kind of added our thoughts. But thank mm-hmm. you for initiating this. Um, and I think it, th- there's a lot of things going on. And there's a real reason why we want to talk about that, even where we are culturally yeah. as as families as people and so Mm -hmm. maybe to set us up elizabeth would you mind just setting us up for a minute and then we can jump into some of the ways we can create this culture Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean obviously i think the the opposite of mercy is judgment Mm -hmm. which is not a new thing people being judgmental black and white thinking judgment has always been an issue like from the fall on but i think we saw amidst COVID and Black Lives Matter and um, should you wear a mask, should you not wear a mask, we saw judgment go through the roof as a as mm-hmm. a world, it felt mm-hmm. like. Um, well, every- and, really, and stay there too. Like yes, it's not just like yeah. it went there and then it's gone, but yeah. it stayed right. there too. And the stay. kind of fallout we're all seeing is America specifically quickly becoming an honor shame society mm-hmm. like it never has been before. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing can- cancel culture was not a one-time thing because everybody was stressed during COVID. It is now like how people operate. Right. You can say whatever you want through a screen. Yep. You can be done with somebody because you don't like the way they said something. I mean, that has not gone away. Mm-hmm. I think we're just getting a little more used to it. Mm-hmm. And I know for like somebody like me, it just makes me never say anything. I don't want to share anything because mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> want that. Yeah. Um, mm. But something that Mark Strong said when we interviewed him kind of closer to the beginning of COVID, but he just said something that stuck with me so clearly that I've not been able to get out of my mind. He was speaking to the cultural moment that I think is still somewhat our cultural moment. But he said, you know, we hear in the scriptures all about judgment and mercy and that we see that in the life of Jesus. But he said, what we're seeing right now, and this was a couple years ago, but I think it's still, we're seeing judgment without mercy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's so true. And mm-hmm. I think even, not even just, I, I think those of us who are raising our kids in the way of Jesus or Christian homes, whatever you want to call it, we can so easily be judgmental oh, yes. with without it being even always super overt, it can be judgmental yeah. about good moral things. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're not careful, even if we're maybe not going around canceling people mm-hmm. and like just being horrible to people online, we can create an unintentional culture of judgment without a lot of mercy. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to have a conversation around what does it look like to create a culture of mercy? And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that everything is gray. There is no morality. There is no, no right or wrong. That's not what no. that means. But in a culture that's gone wild with judgment, even a church that's gone wild with judgment, mm-hmm. like you don't believe oh, yes. like I believe, you're egalitarian, you're complementarian, let's cancel each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we strike the balance of mercy? How does that be like 
what's running through our homes and through our veins. So we're just going to talk about that today. You are enjoying content brought to you by Intentional, a crowdfunded nonprofit that desires to help families and marriages all around the world in the area of discipleship and spiritual formation. This offering is completely free, thanks to the generosity of our growing community of Legacy Builders. Legacy Builders is a group of people from all around the world that give monthly to fuel this dream that we have in our hearts of seeing discipleship to Jesus in the family become a way of life. A monthly gift of $5, $10, or even $30 can continue to fuel this ministry forward. Our dream is to invite people like you to join and partner with us at a financial level and see this work integrated into families. So as you listen to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider joining us? Would you allow the Spirit to lead you, even if it's just to a few dollars a month? Thank you so much, and may the Spirit of Jesus give you wisdom, clarity, and joy as you pray about joining us. And if you want to join today, go to intentionalparents.org and click on Give. And even further, bringing it home, you know, yeah. what is um, on the negative side, what are some of the consequences of growing up in a religiously judgmental home um, yeah. and what that might do to our kids and um, how that un- might undermine um, some of what we're really trying to do. It's not a small thing for our kids to overhear us judging somebody. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the joke used to be is don't eat the pastor for Sunday dinner. You know, it's, it's you're driving home and you're critiquing, judging yeah. whether he put enough time into the message or he did it well enough or whatever. I mean, that's an, an uh, unique illustration of it. We do it all the time. This soccer coach must be, he he's a jerk or, or the kinds of things that we say in our children's hearing or we allow them to say mm-hmm. about their friends is creating a culture of judgment instead of a culture of mercy. And so for myself, um, for a long time, I've looked at Matthew 7, verse 1, and I'll read the whole thing in just a minute, but just the very first verse is, do not judge. This is Jesus talking, and and is talking really, he's in the middle of his manifesto of the kingdom, Hmm. which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, better known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he's passionate, and he's doing all the talking. And he stops and he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Hmm. And and I know that he's talking about future judgment, obviously. But there is another part of that is when we're judging others, when our kids grow up in a culture of hearing judgment and they start judging others, then they immediately are putting a judge on their shoulder Hmm. and their mental committee, as we said, you know, we so the difference in a home that is that is really washed in a mercy and a home that is just self-righteously kind of talking about oh she's too fat or he does this or you know all the <laughs> kinds of things that people say yeah you're right you know, yeah, you're not right. even knowing the story um is is remarkable because and i see it in my own life phil grew up in a family that just didn't talk about people behind their back much. I'm sure it happened. I mean, I'm sure it had to have happened. The frustrations come out in family conversation. But as a result of it, I see the way that Phil handles criticism is is he doesn't take anything terribly personally. He's not Mm. assuming that other people are talking about him and condemning him ever, right, Phil? 
No, I, I don't remember my parents criticizing anybody that yeah. way. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, they weren't perfect, but no. I'm sure it they just, may have, but I, I don't remember it. The only thing that's coming to my mind right now is my dad criticized the television. He, oh, used, yeah. to, he used to call it oh, the yeah. idiot box you oh, know? Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. because, you know, that was that but generation not, that people stopped talking to each other at the dinner table and yeah. got TV trays yes. and started eating dinner while they watched Yes, but the then TV. he was but, but he, was, he criticizing. was criticizing a thing that he, we actually saw that it wasn't helping the family. Okay, yeah. he but, did when he was retired and they lived in that retirement yes, community. He did. And we'd go swimming. There were like oh, like yeah. children hours that you could go swimming. And he and they en- it ended at noon. No, no. Ended at noon. And he'd say, time to go. We got to get out of the pool before all the old biddies come. No. <laughs> and he meant like all the grumpy old people who are going to want to swim with no That's kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. One of my favorite things he used to uh, say. So he wasn't yeah. perfect, but it but yeah, that was a classic dad thing. But no, in no, there was, these- our home was love and acceptance. And in all uh, the years I knew your mom, Ruth Comer, um, I never ever felt her judgment, any judgment, and yeah. against against me as her daughter-in-law. I felt like I was beloved, accepted, appreciated, mm-hmm. and I never really heard her ever talk about anybody else in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I felt so accepted by her. Yeah. So she definitely created a culture of mercy in oh, your home. Yeah. And on the other hand, my parents became Christians later in life. So, you know, they hadn't lived under the scriptures and aware of the scriptures for most of the years they were raising us. And their conversation, our dinner table conversation, was pretty much always peppered with criticisms of other people. And for me, the way that has resulted, the way um, my self my natural way of being um, is it is created for me a feeling of, oh gosh, people are always judging me because I heard all those judging conversations. So I made me very, it makes me still very tense to get up and do public speaking because I'm mm-hmm. afraid of what people are going to be saying about me when they go out to lunch afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I can't get rid of it. I want so badly to just erase those conversations, but obviously I can't. Mm-hmm. So, I feel so strongly about this because of the black and white. When somebody criticizes me directly, I take it so hard. And I think it's partly because I don't know what mercy, I didn't really know what mercy looked like, being Mm. merciful, trying to understand some of the things we'll be talking about. So Mm. I feel like we can't underestimate or we can't underspeak how important it is when Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Mm. Because even the way we judge ourselves. So uh, let me finish reading what he, what he said here. Yes. Um, Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, think of a measuring stick here, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? (laughs) How can you say to your brother, let me take that little speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? (laughs) You hypocrite. I mean, here Jesus doesn't mince words. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And maybe it, to mention though, just the mercy thing, because you keep saying yes. mercy, 
Yes. And maybe just for anybody listening, it's like, wait, 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 what do we mean with mercy? Mercy is that idea of, of not giving somebody something that they do deserve. Yes. Right. So I love that. There are people that um, do have it coming <laughs> to them and are, you know, kids are a great example. How many times it's like you're going you know, to do something you're like, well, they deserve what's coming to them. That that whole concept. What we're trying to do is say, no, we want to step in that place where, yes, maybe somebody by penalty deserves something, but we're mm-hmm. choosing to not give them what they deserve. So yeah. mm-hmm. I think just an important thing when we're talking about when mm-hmm. we say a, a culture of mercy, that's what we're talking about. How do yeah. you actually do that with not only your family, but then also your kids? So. And of course, mm-hmm. we're referring to the scripture. Is it in James, Phil? Yes. That mercy triumphs over, over judgment. judgment. Yeah, James 2.13. Um, For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. Yes. It reminds me of the Karate Kid where he goes, mercy, mercy. Oh, Remember that line? I don't. Oh, the Karate yeah, Kid. Does he, does he actually? Oh, I vaguely do. I didn't see that, that movie as much as a kid. But oh, I feel family bad movie for night, you. Babe, we need to add that to Family Movie Night. Family That's movie a good night. one. So, no, mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah, mercy is a big deal. And there's another verse in Proverbs, the merciful man or woman does himself good. Yeah. But let, so, let's talk about yeah. that, not even in the arena of parenting. Can we transition, or not transition, but mm-hmm. maybe just also highlight marriage. Let's oh, talk mm-hmm. about mercy and marriage. Yeah. Oh, um, whoa, that's a whole podcast. I know, but we're here now. So maybe just maybe we could share a couple thoughts of like, how can this actually, because we're going to talk about four things to how do we create a culture of this? But I mean, like this, maybe, we won't do a whole thing on it, but maybe just to say, Mercy in your marriage is a huge thing. I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's just as it's just as important, if not in some ways more important than even in your parenting sometimes, because mm-hmm. how often is that the thing that you're sitting on the fact that they deserve this? Right. So I'm not going to do X because they did X or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's where the stalemate is in your and marriage. Remember right now. your kids are watching those interactions oh. and mm-hmm. absorbing. Yes. Those interactions. Yes. Yeah. So any thoughts on mercy and marriage really quick before we move to the four the four things? I well, see. I think the four things are all going to relate really yeah, well to mercy to marriage, and marriage yeah. too. You yeah, know? they um, are. Well, let's um, talk about this in the culture. Let's say yeah. like this is for the culture of your home, but also yeah. specifically in your marriage and parenting. Really so, so why don't we go through those? Because there's, there's so much there. So the first thing that you really do need to do to help create a culture of mercy is to create a culture of self awareness Mm -hmm. a culture of self-awareness now Mm -hmm. obviously that means you need to be self-aware but how do you create a culture in your home that has to do with self-awareness i'm asking the question so you Mm -hmm. guys get to answer Mm -hmm. okay two things come to mind um that it this has to start with us as parents we can't raise self-aware kids if we're not self-aware parents and i you know so much of whatever you want to call it, healing the inner journey, healing past wounds. Like there's lots of different language around it. So much of that process and journey is just seeing like you can't heal what you can't see. So the, it's not just a step. I'd say like half the journey is just being aware. And how often, like if you think about parenting or our spouse, how often is our spouse saying something to us or our kids are acting in a way and we find ourselves so angry or lashing mm-hmm. out or over responding or withdrawing mm-hmm. or feeling like flooded in our body. Mm-hmm. Like if we can learn to pay attention when that is happening and to pause for a second and ask ourselves what is happening, mm-hmm. yeah. why am I so mad? 
that it's so loud right now that my kids Uh are being so loud Uh like are they actually doing anything wrong or is this something coming up for me yeah and if you can start and i say start because it's a long process and i know for a long time like one of my kids would trigger me all the time and i was like aware that i was being triggered but it took me years to figure out why and then to try to heal from why and it it's a journey for sure but i think we have to be doing that work actively over the lifetime of our parenting over the lifetime of our marriage before we're even able to teach that to our so kids isn't that just what jesus said here take the plank out of your own mm-hmm. eye yeah that we we have to we have to notice be aware of the planks yeah confess a sin what is sin mm-hmm. and look deeply into just an emotional responses that is not mm-hmm. sin but be self-aware enough to know there that Maybe that person is just um, bumping into some bruises in your soul, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you might you might be going after them when really there's something that still mm-hmm. needs yeah. either to be confessed mm-hmm. or forgiven. Or healed, yeah. Forgiven's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 just thinking with uh, you know I remember that going like I've been in therapy for like almost it's been almost a decade. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's been really interesting about that is I remember the first time I sat down and I was like asking my therapist for advice, like, well, so what would you do? And he wouldn't tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't like, Hey, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's exactly what I think you should do. And I'm like, isn't this, isn't this kind of bogus? And he helped me kind of see, he said, actually what you can't know right now and what you don't see right now is that just by you being able to see what things are and how the things mm-hmm. are really working mm-hmm. in reality that alone brings, I think he said like 70% or to 75% relief of some of the tense tension and tense mm-hmm. intensity you're feeling. And so I, that I've all, that's always stuck with me that don't underestimate the power of self-awareness just by mm-hmm. you being able to see how people experience you mm-hmm. and how they, and what a great question to ask your spouse. How yeah. am I, how are you experiencing me? Oh, that's mm-hmm. a great, uh, yeah. How how do you experience love from me? Like, am, am I being okay. a loving person or not? Yeah. Like sitting and asking your spouse as an example. Yeah. I mean, and that's a really hard conversation to have, especially if you haven't had it and especially if you're not very self-aware. But I think there's or a big- if your spouse is not very tactful. Yeah, that's also <laughs> hard. Um, but there's often a big disconnect between how we think people experience us and how we mm-hmm. and how they actually experience us. And I think mm-hmm. the more you can move towards that is a big deal, especially in your marriage. But seeing is a huge part of the mm-hmm. thing. I know mm-hmm. that one of the things we talk about in one of our teachings is uh, you have to do the work. Your family needs you to do the inner work, the the journey, the and like knowing what's going on in yourself. Uh, is actually all yeah. over the scriptures. It's all examine yourself. It's all over the place that we're supposed to know. I'm really glad you said that because I was thinking when Diane read you, this point we're t- doing right now is taking the plank right. out of your eye. So I thought, how do you take the plank out of your eye? Yes. Especially if you're not self-aware. And so, and so it's what you said, examine. Yeah. Mm. You know, and when, when you and I were teaching that message together, mm. a different version of it, we yeah. did. I quoted Psalm one thirty nine. I took oh, Elizabeth's yeah. notes and I changed them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she ended with, "Search me, O God, <clears throat> yeah. know my heart. See if there be any hurtful way in me." Mm-hmm. And you, I think it's your words. Ask the Holy Spirit to shine like a flashlight mm-hmm. in the in the cave mm-hmm. of your soul. In the yeah. cave mm-hmm. of your soul. I don't yeah. talk like that, but I really like it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's what Jesus is saying. So how am mm-hmm. I going to? even though I have a plank, well, your spouse will tell you if you have a plank, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's living in community and listening to your spouse mm. 
It's mm-hmm. prayer here. David saying, search me, oh yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And obviously every time you open your Bible, there's a mirror there. Mm-hmm. It's like God corrects my thinking, my mm-hmm. my uh, perspective, changes me, you know, changes us. So I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And getting comfortable, yeah. don't you think getting comfortable with confession? Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how often do you hear confession of sin? That almost sounds Catholic or something in our yeah. evangelical <laughs> kind of behavior modification preaching that is too common right now we're not really talking about you know here to judge another to sit mm. there at the kitchen table and be judgmental of somebody else i need to confess that is sin mm, yeah. and that will create right there a culture of self-awareness because that's very oh, yeah. embarrassing mm-hmm. and a little oh, feels yeah. a little harsh and mm-hmm. abrasive mm-hmm. to say uh to catch yourself and say I should not have talked about that person mm-hmm. like that. And do it out loud in front of your kids. Yes. Like I I think as much as we can do that, you're normalizing self-awareness, self-awareness. in yourself yes. and confession, confession. And you're normalizing the fact that none of us are perfect. That's right. That we all need grace. And the the trickle-down effect that is the most incredible thing is you your kids become self-aware way younger than you right. ever were. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest gift as our kids have gotten older too. Oh man. You know, I think you guys have have said, I can't remember exactly how you word it, but it's your job to to not only mold but to unfold your kids. Yeah. And then to half the time you're just explaining them to themselves. Yes. Because we know our kids. We can we can see (laughs) things. Like Uh like our daughter came to me, I was so proud of her, came to me and was telling me that a bunch of her friends had come to youth group together and she said, mom, I saw them all coming in and something came up for me. I don't know what it was, but I felt it in my body and something came up for me. <laughs> and I'm like applauding her, like so yeah. proud of her. Like you, good job for noticing that you felt something that you didn't love, yeah. but you couldn't quite figure out what it was. So I just asked her, I said, first of all, great job for noticing. So do you want me to help you? kind of see if you can figure out what it was that came up for you. And she's like, yeah, that'd be helpful. So, because I I know her super well and I know just different past relationships. And I just said, do you think maybe you were feeling a little bit left out? She mm-hmm. goes, yes. Yeah. So do you think maybe you were feeling like a little bit of rejection? She goes, yep. And I know it's just mixed up storytellers. I know it's not actually true. <laughs> and I was like, okay. wanted to just like, jump up and dance i was driving i couldn't yeah that's but, that's the pr- so. that's the positive part the negative yeah, they- <laughs> part is when is when they tell you like uh, when your they, shadow side's yeah, coming when, out when they, yeah oh my gosh what was duke made that joke the other day he goes oh mom's shadow side and i was like oh my did you know that <laughs> so yes so to sum up here i think we're talking about two different levels or kind of balances of self- self-awareness there's the emotional self-awareness mm-hmm. of noticing that your body is telling you that you're feeling some things mm-hmm. and that's really important because that's almost like the precursor yes. to the next what level, comes out which is when then yeah. you had she in that case not been aware of that how she could have been rude to the others not really understanding why that she, hmm. what she was feeling. Yeah. So there's the emotional side that often leads to the actual sin side. Yeah. You know, yeah. of the self-awareness of David of search me, oh God. You know, like yeah. what caused him to sin with Bathsheba and what 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 started that whole mm-hmm. domino effect. And mm. um that self-awareness is also the confession in front of our kids mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of how we judged yeah. others. 
we have a new offering for you. If you'd like to receive daily or weekly text messages and encouragement around parenting, marriage, with prayers and scriptures, click the link in the show notes and we would love to send those to you. Can't wait to connect more with you. Well, I love, I think we could go on for that for Mm -hmm. a long time, but it leads so quickly and beautifully to the second point, which is to create a culture of curiosity rather than judgment. And and specifically what we were trying to hope to hone in here is curiosity of other people's stories. Yes. Yeah. And I know that that, that is such a big deal it's, within it's our huge. culture because mm-hmm. basically it's context, right? Yes. Because we so quickly uh, will judge other people. And I, and let me just talk to the, the adults who are in my stage of life who have decided because they had a hard upbringing and they had trauma and they had different things that they're parents weren't able to give them that they just decided I'm going to lambast and completely reject and completely expel my parents from my life Mm -hmm. because this happened instead of the context, instead of saying, well, what did your parents come from? What, what did they have? How much more did they give you from what they had? I remember when I did that with my, my own personal story, how much more grace, compassion, understanding, like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I actually started to see that must've been really hard to go from there experience like i'm just thinking mm-hmm. my dad specifically crazy upbringing for him to give me the experience he, he did it's compared heroic. to what he had is just insane exactly it's just insane now i could get really just so upset about what what happened or you know the culture of my house growing up but then i you know but then when i look back it, it helps me soften and go oh mm-hmm. the context really does explain right. mm-hmm. so much of what's happened yeah. and it doesn't mean that People didn't wrong you or didn't hurt you, but I think it softens our tone and yeah. we can never have mercy if we don't have curiosity. Yeah. But I think even like, a think about how Jesus did this, how, how he spoke to the Pharisees versus how he spoke to the woman caught in adultery mm-hmm. or the woman mm-hmm. at the well were very different because yep. he knew their stories. Mm-hmm. He was like kind of brutal to the Pharisees yeah. because he had like stuff he had to address with them. He And I think he, he knew they could handle it. They were so mm-hmm. self-righteous. They were swimming in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he was so gracious and so gentle and yet direct with the woman at the well, the woman caught mm-hmm. in adultery because he knew their stories. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that has come along with cancel culture is that we've just like intentionally almost turned a blind eye to people's yeah. stories. And there's yeah. such a softening that happens when we try to seek the whole context. Mm -hmm. And I know this is something we're trying so hard to teach to our kids of just even help them to acknowledge that somebody has a story. So it doesn't mean that somebody hasn't hurt you or the girl at recess wasn't rude or, but but just be curious of like, if she was, if she talked to you that way on the playground, what do you think she's being talked to like in her home? Like just, can we have those conversations, those conversations around the dinner table? How could you show love to her? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, It changes the tone of everything. From you kind of thing. Yeah. What is this, what is this saying about her home or her situation or the hurts in her life? Yeah. 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 It's Um, so different than she's just mean. Yeah. 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 And we're so quick to judge without really knowing the stories. Yeah. 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 I know that I, I still have a very vivid memory from many years ago that I was sitting in a coffee shop talking to a friend, talking about what we're talking about now, intentional and raising, mm-hmm. you know, passionate Jesus followers. And outside uh, big open doors was a, a fountain and a, a kid 
way too old, probably at least 10, at least 10, had a complete top of the lungs meltdown. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman with him that I assumed his his mother, because I was being judgmental, um, who just was kind of looking on helplessly. Fast forward many years and understanding about neurodiversity and Mm -hmm. um, all the kind of complexities that now I just saw the statistic one in in 20 kids has some sort of neurodiversity, which means his brain is taking in information differently than others and not handling it in what we would call normal ways Mm -hmm. or typical Mm -hmm. ways. So now I look back and think that child was no doubt about it, had some sort of neurodiversity reaction right then, and he had a meltdown because it was just too much. Yeah. The water going, kids everywhere. It was really hot outside, super noisy. Mm -hmm. Kids, you know, squealing. And where I was judging that woman, who was probably a caretaker, not even a mom. Yeah. Mm. I was judging that woman for doing nothing in reality. There was nothing she could do yeah. to intervene in that moment except give him words yeah. of comfort, which she was probably doing. So that is what we're talking about, judging. Yes. And it he comes back to haunt me because it's just such a picture, picture in my mind of, I think Jesus would have been really disappointed in me in that moment. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and then to have a daughter who's had the dot who's had the neurodiverse child yeah. melting down oh, in public yes. it really comes back to haunt me because oh. i think there's some woman self-righteously looking at her her and saying why doesn't she yeah. do something about that child yeah um, exactly because i, I did it because it's not how it works yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. How it works. and that used to debilitate me when she was younger yes just the fear of people judging oh. and I've ha- I've had to shed it for Bertie's sake I've had to shed it like I yeah. can't care no I have to choose not to care yeah but it's um, a it's a fight yeah and mm. yeah because people's stories are nine times out of ten invisible I mean yes. there's occasionally you can see a clear yes. physical disability yeah. or assume somebody was in an accident like and and what are we to those people usually a lot more gracious yes we are and opening the door for them and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but for most people their stories are invisible yeah. maybe their disabilities are invisible yeah um and we don't know their challenges and so i think if we can just if that can be a part of everyday conversation i wonder what their story yes. is if just that phrase if you can yes. take that phrase <laughs> to your kids, I wonder what their story is. Yeah, let's apply that to Trump. I wonder what his story is, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, seriously but though. Uh, no, I'm serious. I'm dead like, serious. I'm thinking 100% like percent. He has like, a story. Like, what? What causes somebody, you know, to make those decisions, right, or whatever? Like, yeah. you have remember, to re- this is about mercy, not. Judgment. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm saying you have to always take. Like, I'm, I'm just using a caricature type yes. because that people. It's just so interesting how many people if we would take this and apply it not just to our spouse or to our kids or to the yeah. people that we see when we're out and about, but to, but to the people that we right now are so vehemently angry at and disdain that we yeah. disdain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, apply that to, to this, yeah. you know, well, apply it, this yeah. to that. Cause we're very we don't say. need to talk much about politics. Except, no, no, I don't want to talk. I didn't it want is to talk true about that. I, you know, recently there's articles coming out now, not, not in Christian magazines, either that how America, church attendance has gone way down yeah and even secular uh researchers are saying it's not a good thing because yeah. we're going to worship something 
So yes. they've turned to politics and yes. then it becomes what I'm against. Not what I'm for. And so it becomes judgment. Ugh. And then you find your tribe. We mm. believe this and we hate everyone who doesn't believe what we believe. Yes. And um, or I, say it the way or we say, say it. it the way we say it. And it becomes extremely judgmental. That's yeah. the air we're breathing right now. But Jesus is coming against this. And there, there is moral right and wrong. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about how we judge people and criticize other people for things that are not even clearly wrong oh, in the yeah. scriptures. There may be convictions we have that we wouldn't do. Yes. And maybe we're going to get into some of that. But yes. um, I just think that uh, they <laughs> think of the worst of Jesus, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, your love for one another. Yeah. And then it's it's all about us bringing the love of God to people. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that, and I and I struggle with a critical spirit and being judgmental. Elizabeth, before we when we were talking before we started recording, she was saying I can be so judgmental. I was thinking, yeah, you got that from me. Whereas <laughs> Diane was hurt by judgment, so she's she's a very non judgmental person. Yeah, you know, she if 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 somebody's going to start judging someone, it's not going to be her. <laughs> not that likely. I've never judged. Not I just gave you a very good it, example but, of me sitting um, over coffee on a nice day judging someone. Yeah, I mean, I well, I think we all can be judgmental, yeah. but there's yes. some of us who this is a more deeper yeah. sin that we need yes. to address with the help of the Holy Spirit, so that we are these people who are bringing yes. the love of God to people and actually caring about them, and and wondering where they're coming from yeah. You know? yeah well that leads to the third thing which is to create a culture of discernment Ooh, there you go we're getting into it we're getting into it so uh phil i'd love for you to start us on this one if you if you don't mind but to create a culture of discernment in our homes what do we mean by that and what are some of the things that we can do to do that well a culture of discernment um i i think that this is where God comes in because he is all wisdom and he is mercy. And I think that we need to discern um, even raising children. When is his time to sit down and say what's going on and talk about an actual, you know, something that actually happened as opposed to, uh, you know, being a judgmental person, like this is the way I do life. So everybody else should do life. And I remember when I was a brand new Mm -hmm. Christian, I, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I've shared my story here before. I played in a band for nine years and got saved during the Jesus movement. And Diane and I both did at this amazing church. And it was just Bible teaching. And you were all in. The youth mm-hmm. were all in. There were hundreds of them. Radical discipleship. Radical discipleship. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, you know, in the book of Acts, they brought their magic books and burned them. For me, it was like I burned all my albums, my Beatle albums. I so threw them into the garbage. I know so now sad. they're vintage, but now they're amazing. Listen, I couldn't even listen to the radio at all. It was radio back then. There was no no DVDs or, or CDs or anything yet, yeah. let alone streaming. But um, <laughs> I had to, uh, and I I literally turn turn it off because it was a drug to me. So. Mm. But then I saw all these Christian kids all listening to the stuff that had, you know, unbiblical messages in it that that was my life. And so I just said, that life is behind me. And so I started judging people like, how can you listen to that and call yourself oh, a Christian? Yeah. You know, and so I was very judgmental as a new believer. And I think, you know, I had to learn that 
these people have different <laughs> stories. Like there's guys yeah. that can type a sermon with music playing in the background. I can't do that. Like yeah. I have to have I have the music off. Yeah. You know, so that's just and one because area. Because so much of that music led you into a lifestyle that it, you were ashamed of. And exactly. you regretted, and so you, you're bringing all sorts of your own hurts from your own sure. mistakes into yeah. this that music where yeah. somebody else can just be saying, oh, this is a sweet yeah. love song. So, so let me read the scripture from Romans because I think that that was a conviction of mine. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing with convictions. If we have a conviction, we think everybody should have that conviction. And if we believe something, everybody else ought to believe it too. And I think that... In Romans 14, you know, there's a whole chapter here, but they're, you know, talking about how people are different. You know, one yes. observes one day, another regards one day above another, another says every day is alike. You know, one was talking about eating meat or not eating meat. But anyway, it just goes on. To, and and Paul says here, why do you judge your brother? Why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. What What he's saying is that, we individually will mm -hmm. will stand before God, but it's it's not my job to to. I'm not God in this other guy's life. You're going to stand before me. That's what we do when we judge people. It's like mm -hmm. we play to put ourselves in the place of God. So each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So then, down in verse 19, let us pursue the things which make for peace and mm -hmm. the building up of one another. Let's don't argue about all these differences that we have. And so I think that's where mercy and judgment comes in is is we start judging people because they don't have the same conviction as we do mm -hmm. and all it does is separate and what i've learned now is the people that i've judged they're not coming near me <laughs> it, it just pushes people away yeah, from you. yeah that's a good point that's you know point. because and you know diane said something to me i don't know a few months ago and i'm trying to work it into my life we were talking about a real decision that had been made i don't want to give any of the details that we totally disagreed with and we actually think was a wrong decision um, but we weren't being asked to give our opinion or be called into it. And she said, let's be known for what we're for rather than what we're against. Mm. And I just am trying to live into that because um, I think it's important. I think that's yeah. what Jesus yeah. is talking about here. Mm -hmm. You know, there are specks in mm -hmm. people's eyes. There are things that mm -hmm. need to be changed in their life. So it, we're all that. We're, we mm -hmm. all need stuff changed in our life. Mm -hmm. But if we go around as sin sniffers, you know, just yeah. like, yeah. I mean, that guy's got this problem. They shouldn't have done that. And, mm -hmm. and I can very much fall into that. But mm -hmm. I have a wife who loves me enough <laughs> to be my easer, <laughs> which she's going to talk about at the motherhood that, retreat. Yeah, you know, it is not always easy, right? Is it, Brooke, <laughs> when your wife corrects you? I want to do a whole podcast yeah. series on what? Uh, on, 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 uh, you remember this? I told you. I think yeah. I told you on what it's like to be married to a high caliber woman. Uh, <laughs> everyone's like, "Oh, this isn't a big deal." Yeah, let me tell you. All. <laughs> I have some thoughts. <laughs> no, it's amazing though. Like, it, yes, it's a both amazing and it's good and we need it. Yeah, but yes, it's it's, it's a marriage and maybe uncomfortable sometimes. It's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's that's the hard part of marriage. But when you respond in humility then God molds you more into a merciful person instead yes. of a judgmental person. Mm -hmm. Yes. So anyway, so those, creating those a culture of thoughts. And I wanted to read that scripture. Yeah, I think that's really good. I have a good. couple others I, think, I want to read you know, later. Um, I was reading commentary because I'm kind of geeky like that. And some of the things, this um, is actually a really good one by Scott McKnight. And there's a whole series called The Story of God Bible Commentary. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. He just does a really masterful job of bringing it in from the context in which Jesus taught 
into the context in which we live now. Um, Mm. But he does make an emphasis in saying that we must learn to distinguish moral discernment, like we want to teach our kids moral discernment, from personal condemnation. There you go. Mm. And and I I think there's just a whole podcast packed into those just few words. But, But just think on that. We must learn to distinguish moral discernment from personal condemnation. So we mm. can we can agree to disagree and say this is a marvelous person who's come to different conclusions, or the really thing that that was shocking to me when I first became a Christian that was fifteen, and it did upend my life. It was uh, very much in the Jesus movement of the seventies. Was very much it's you're for God or you're against God. There was mm-hmm. no no gray. It was very you know um, what was. Keith Green's no compromise, no compromise. That was the thing, no compromise. Which, in the end, without grace and without mercy, can make you a very rigid, difficult person. But for that time, it was yeah. essential. Sure. And and for my life, it was essential because I was heading down a, a path that would have ended in real destruction for me. And so, um, I, I needed to learn moral discernment. Um, Mm -hmm. desperately I needed to know that a lie is a lie um, not a white lie Um, and because I was kind of raised that was okay to lie Mm. Um, those kind of things could now become really rigid sort of um, legalism and judgment of other people Um, but I think at the same time it was really good for me that everything came under the scrutiny of Scripture for both of us, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. We, we examined everything in the light of Scripture, and that is good. So we're not what we're not saying is that just, you know, live and let live or just accept everybody as they are. Um, mm. we're, what we are saying is use some real biblical moral discernment. Yeah. without condemning a person. Yeah. But what really surprised me when I was 15 and 17 and 19 is that things that God laid hard on my heart convicted me in his word. Somebody else who was tracking right with me had no conviction against that thing. And mm. I had to eventually come to the realization that God knows what he's doing in each of our lives mm-hmm. and he is not shining a light a flashlight of conviction yeah. on that person because they listen, say, to secular rock music back in the day. Yeah. He's dealing with a whole other thing in their mm. life, and it's not up to me to decide the God's agenda. Yeah, and uh, one of my one of the most beautiful women who came to know Jesus in radical ways um, in our days of pastoring solid rock came to this realization herself, and one day she was describing some of the sins she had to had to leave behind and they were some of them kind of big hard very immoral things and she was brimming with joy when she realized yet when i first gave my life to jesus he only gave me one thing at a time Hmm. so she was Hmm. still participating in all sorts of what we would call deeds of darkness with no clue that they were deeds of darkness because Jesus just was giving her one yeah. thing at a time. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I think most Christians are uncomfortable with the level of grace and mercy God has for his children. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're uncomfortable with it, but he's like a generous father. Yeah. 
that is coming in. And I think most of us are like, wait, wait, but, but they're owed this. Like they can't get, they can't get away with that. You know, like we're the ones creating all the problems. And he's like, no, this is exactly what it means to live in my kingdom and to love and to forgive. Will you read that line again from, uh, from the commentary? We must learn to distinguish moral discernment from personal condemnation. Personal condemnation, yeah. It reminded me of a thing I heard a pastor say one time, and, and I use it when I preach now. It's God, God's job to judge people. It's our job to love, to love people. Because only yeah. God knows all the facts. Yes. He, he knows everything. He's eternal. He mm-hmm. sees this person's past, mm-hmm. present, and future. Mm-hmm. So he's the only righteous judge. Yeah. Which is why Romans twelve nineteen says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Never return yeah. evil for evil. Um, we mm. don't, we, we can, this is why we shouldn't judge. We don't have all mm-hmm. the facts. Mm-hmm. We yes. don't know the whole story and we put ourselves in the place of God and it's our job to love people. If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Elizabeth, you were talking a little previously in our conversation under this point about using um, moral language about things that are not moral. Oh, can you explain yeah. that yeah, concept? Yeah, we were just yeah. talking about that. Just really was, an important one. Uh, therapist we've both seen individually and together brooks been with him for a long time and he says to us often you know knowing knowing the kind of what was happening in the church culture when we were being raised Mm -hmm. and um and so he said it to both of us individually he's pointed out you guys use a lot of moral language Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that making things basically pointed out that we often are unintentionally making things moral that aren't actually moral right um, am I doing the right thing? Like I say that all the time. Well, there isn't always no. a clear right thing. Now, mm-hmm. obviously for some things, there absolutely is. Sometimes it's a wisdom issue. Sometimes it's a discernment issue. Sometimes it's not black or white. And I send, tend to see things more in black and white mm-hmm. and gray is harder for me. I can see it, but it, it's not the first thing I see. And um, I think we have to be careful when we're teaching our kids certain things to not coat everything in moral language. Right. Because sometimes when we do that and it's not moral, what they hear is shame. Yes. And and it, and it creates shame. It creates shame. It creates fear of am I displeasing God? Yeah. You know, and and I think, you know, there are there are you can have strong convictions as a family mm-hmm. about certain things that you really do feel 
strongly about. For example. Okay, for example, technology. Like I would say that Brooke and I feel very strongly about mm-hmm. our convictions over technology with our older kids mmm-hmm. and well, phones uh, all of our and kids. all of our kids. <laughs> but but I'm kids. thinking more like phones uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything that comes with that. And we have some pretty strong, maybe counter-cultural to a degree, mm-hmm. making some what a lot of people would consider extreme. And that, but we feel very strongly about it. And so far it's working really well with our kids. Our kids are actually really thankful for it. They actually can be very judgmental mm-hmm. of other families who are choosing differently. So we have to, on purpose, mm-hmm. stop them when they're using that language and yeah. say, hey, this is what we feel like is right for our family. Every mm-hmm. family has to do their own research, make yeah. their own decisions, mm-hmm. and they get to decide what's best for their mm-hmm. family. It's not our job to decide what's best for them or to judge what they decide. Exactly. It's just our job to manage our family. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, you know, how often are we giving, spouting opinions, telling people what to do who haven't asked for it? Yeah. Like if somebody came to me asking, this is the situation with our family. What do you think we should do with technology? Well, I would have yeah. a lot to say. Yeah. But if I'm just subtly spewing to my yeah. kids around the dinner table, to my friends, like underhandedly communicating that that family's doing it wrong or everybody else is doing it wrong. Well, I'm creating a culture of negativity, of judgmentalism, of not the culture I want to create. No. So no. I think you can have strong convictions with a lot of things there is right or wrong. And there are so many on that list, right? Like how a girl dresses yeah. or doesn't dress. Like is what's my conviction about modesty? Yeah. Or about back in the day, believe it or not, it was dating or courtship. <laughs> it was like the for or the against. Or you said and birth was, control or no birth control. Oh gosh, it was let God Decide, decide that it was very couched in spirituality in moral let, language very moral language yes. let, let god decide the, mm. the size of your mm-hmm. family and if you actually use birth control and discernment then you are somehow less morally you know that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of making something moral that i don't think is moral Mm-mm. or at least the bible's not emphatically clear on no. you know so th- the way i've been saying it to myself lately is kind of picturing myself wringing my hands and asking myself is is god wringing his hands over this one is this have him upset and worried yeah. that the world's going to fall apart because this person <laughs> no. is doing things No. different than I think they ought to be doing. Yeah. Well, I think good. I love that example and I would just say yes, I think being invited into that. We also try, you know, I I know from our perspective, we've also done a lot of study research and we see it within our own kids. We have reasons why those are our convictions. Yeah. But again, like as to the point, I think that it's every family has different reasons. One of the things I see a lot of families doing is It's it's the thing that's said all the time, and I, I remember I was speaking somewhere this summer, and I I remember saying this, and then I had a conversation with the guy afterwards, but um, basically saying we are far past the days when you can just be neutral on the issue of technology yes. with your kids, yeah, or and, yourself, or yourself, or your especially start with you, and that's always what we say: start with yourself. But um, it was amazing to hear the conversation when he was honest with me. What was coming out was like it's much easier to just kind of let my kids not only have what all their friends have it's also easier because they're distracted and when they're not i have to parent more 
And I don't like that. He was being so vulnerable, so honest. Mm -hmm. And I just think that there's, he is um, an example or a type of, I think, where we, where the temptation is for all of us. It it would be so tempting to just, I mean, right now, think about it. We haven't heard our kids for an hour and that's because we're letting them it's watch because something. because they're all on the screen. All so if screen. you think this means we do no technology, yeah, that is dead, not true. Right. dead wrong. That's right. But all that said, I just think the, the space when you, when you replace your responsibility for passivity and ease, the fruit of that's going to be lived out in your child's detriment, yeah. not just your yeah. own, your child's detriment. Yeah. And so to just be aware of that and to think like, like this guy was just a great example to me of like, oh, I think we all fall in this space. And just on that point of technology, this is kind of a side tangent, but I think there is like, we just have to decide. Mm-hmm. And what you decide, like we talked about, it's not to judge this family from that family. It's to just say, this is what we figured out. And some of you might land with, we're going to all have phones and we're going to yeah. use them these ways and all that, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's deciding that is one of the most important yeah, things. Yeah, we're talking about discernment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are moral absolutes. You yes. shall not commit adultery. Yes. You yes. shall not steal. Or kill and your so, father-in-law. Or kill your father-in-law. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. But when we start teaching <laughs> opinion or uh, ranking our opinions up there with yes. scripture, it reminds me of that verse, Diane, That's that used when we teach our parenting conference, you quote, uh, that we have to be careful. We're not teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this one's really important to me. So, so you, you know, it. but yeah. it's it's like it's a, one of the Ten Commandments, you know, when it's not. Mm. And, and you know, so, it's yeah. it's all over in every culture. Because when mm-hmm. we were traveling to Albania quite a bit, one of the women who I really became good friends with said that during the communist era, women could hardly do anything. You could go to work and it was assigned where you worked and what you wore when you went Whoa. to work. And your apartment was exactly the same as your neighbor's apartment. So the thing that you could control was cleaning your house. And so they cleaned and they scrubbed and it sparkled and it's, they spent hours and hours keeping mm. their house clean. But then the wall came down and all of a sudden you had choices. So women were getting more education. They were following their passions and their careers and fashion now became a thing. I mean, in Albania, the shoes, those women are into <laughs> <The> shoes. shoes. <laughs> so many years of these gray lace-ups, you know. Yeah. So they do the shoes. But they are still judging each other, even in the church Christian world, which is mm. a very small minority there, over how clean their house was mm. and how meticulously clean sure. their house was. And I just thought, gosh, it's just universal. Yeah. They've mm. turned the house cleaning into a moral oh, yes. kind of a judgment. And we do the same. Mm-hmm. We do the same uh, about how a person uses their time, about whether a person is habitually late. What we might not know is that they're late because they put people first, mm-hmm. because they would <laughs> never cut off a conversation in order to. That was kind of your mom mm-hmm. felt. She would be on the phone with somebody. She would never say, I, I need to go. She was so sensitive to <laughs> another person. That person could talk in the middle. Dinner would go cold. <laughs> And she was just listening to him yeah. with her whole heart. But mm. so, you know, we, we judge people not knowing their story or or definitely just because we've decided what it means to live life well. You're yeah. making me miss mm. my mom. Oh, I mm. miss your mom. She was wonderful. That's why I cry at their grave. Yeah. Which is where I want to be buried, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Family plot. We're going to end She this. said she wants to die a comer. Last okay. point. Last point. Create <laughs> okay. 
Number four, create another's centered culture. Well, this uh, is a bad point to end on if, yeah. after he just said that. <laughs> Other centered. So, Diane, you need to serve Phil by saying yes, and Diane, and Phil, you need to serve Diane by, by saying no. So, you guys can figure that out. Um, no, I, I think this is such an important one, and Jesus talks about this so much. But in our culture, uh, hyper individualistic culture, everything is the lens of me, and, yep. yeah. and it creates such havoc. I mean, our whole culture is in this crisis currently because so many people are hyper fixated on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we create another centered culture, um, I love the the biblical definition of love is to will the good of the other. When we think, when I think, hold my hand, sweetheart. When I think, how can I will the good of Elizabeth? You know, Mm -hmm. my life goes far better, by the way. And it's not like, it's not like I'm just saying this to be nice. Like when I decide to say what is best for her and think about that there it's not only better for her it's better for me because then she also wants to do that towards me too right and it's mm-hmm. not manipulative it's just one it someone has to start so when we create that with our kids and uh and i mean just the, the list goes on so uh i'd love for us to maybe just mention a couple of things on that but mercy to have mercy we have to think about other people more than ourselves yeah i'd like to read something from first peter three but i want diane to, to i don't want to end this podcast without you talking about your insight about the golden rule oh okay i think okay, it might yeah. be a good way to end that's a great idea a way yeah, to yeah. end this podcast because yeah. it's very insightful but uh when when i was thinking about this i thought of the passage when we teach on marriage one of the points is we we say give a blessing instead when you get in yes. conflict instead of saying yeah well let me tell you what i think about you <laughs> it's not gonna go well uh but- now, i need this reminder because i am the one who tends to perpetuate the conflict so yeah yes, everybody has their See, confession is good everybody for the has their crazy cycle like my okay. friend emerson Egwich, whom i love to pieces yeah. says ours is i usually start it by saying something stupid and rude but then she has this incredible ability to keep the argument <laughs> going. <laughs> going. <laughs> but anyway in uh, first Peter three it says to sum up let all be harmonious sympathetic brotherly mm-hmm. kind-hearted humble mm-hmm. in spirit not returning evil for evil or insult for insult which is what we do really when we judge people, but giving a blessing instead for you recall for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. But here's the part I like quoting Psalm 34, <laughs> let him, we all want to enjoy life, right? Let him who means to love life and see good days. Who doesn't want that? I love this part. <laughs> Refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Mm. Isn't that so much like Jesus saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. Exactly. Do not give a curse towards somebody in response yeah. or you're going to get one yeah. back. Exactly. If you want to see good days, there are certain There's things. a sowing and a reaping yes. and it's, it's a negative result and also a positive result. So which, good to remember wait. and so against my flesh. Yeah. You mm. know, it's so, okay. So what I was discovering the other day, and of course it wasn't me, it was I was reading an old time commentator. Um by the name of Barkley. William Barkley. You know, William oh, yeah, Barkley. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Charles Barkley. No, no, that's NBA. Charles Barkley. No, William <laughs> Barkley. Good job. William Barkley. And um, just so insightful is he, um, in this passage, this is what has me, once again, really studying these, these chapters, five, six, and seven of Matthew. Um, he goes down and where is it here, Phil? Um, the golden rule is right in here someplace. Oh, here it is in verse 12. 712 is so in, this is the NIV. So in everything, 
do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. And Mm -hmm. what Barclay was pointing out, because he's brilliant and he was reading the philosophers that came before Jesus and their motto in several different um, eras and ways of saying it was um, a reverse of this. So don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So don't punch somebody in the nose because you don't want them to punch you back. Mm. In simplistic Diane terms, not (laughs) William Barclay, brilliant terms. Um, But Jesus turned that upside down, inside out, right side out, actually. Mm -hmm. So in everything you do to others, what you would have them do to you. So that's a filter. That's a, a very clear filter. I'm asking myself, what would I want that? How would I want this person to respond to me in this moment? Say in marriage, and Phil says something stupid, <laughs> as he, by his own admission, how my stance is going to be completely different if I'm looking at him, him and saying, if I said something stupid and unwise in a weak moment, how would I want Phil to respond to me? Well, I would want you to respond with mercy, realizing yeah. that's not what I really think. And yeah. that's just me being a, a jerk. Um, but it's not my normal way of being. So I just love that because I feel like that is a way of teaching. That right there is an amazing way of teaching our kids to how to have this um, culture, how to aid in a culture of mercy in their home because every one of us is going to say i want that person to be merciful Mm. to me i don't want them to give me what i deserve Mm. i want them to be merciful back to me and understand that there's a story and i want them to be curious about why i'm having kind of a hissy fit right now instead of just giving me what i deserve um i think that's what it means to be to create an other-centered culture yeah i just love that because even non-christians will say yeah you know i don't want to do that to them because i wouldn't do that to me the negative side mm -hmm, jesus always lifts the bar higher yeah and he when you think about what he's saying go do to that and he says love your enemies go do to that person what you wish they would do to you okay do does do we have time for elizabeth to tell one quick story that she told me this okay this week about scarlet and the child, the new child in school, um, with has some visual handicaps, and how she she was doing this. She was imagining what she wishes, oh. what that that boy must wish others would do. Yeah, well, I'm gonna cry if I tell oh, that. Okay, um, man, I think one of the gifts of having anyone in your home who has any sort of disability is that all of the um, the abled people in the home or neurotypical or whatever just begin to view the world differently yes. without even yeah. you teaching it or trying to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so our our kids on a very regular basis, actually it's quite comical, they will be like telling me about somebody and they'll be like, yeah, I think he probably has some disabilities. <laughs> well, not everybody who's difficult has disabilities. <laughs> um, but you know, they <laughs> just they yeah, just they spot do. it and they, they instantly feel compassion versus yeah. being yes. scared of it, which is anybody who doesn't have exposure to stuff is oftentimes like don't don't know what to do. But anyways, they Duke and Scarlet go to a hybrid school. So two days a week they're in class and the rest of the week they're at home. And this year they have um, a boy in their class who has disabilities. 
And I'm pretty sure he has cerebral palsy. I don't know his whole story yet, but I connected with the mom the first day because Birdie said, I saw that kid at ranch camp because Birdie did this occupational therapy camp this summer. Yeah, it was really And sweet. I just immediately was like, I got to go back and meet the mom. I know it's her first day. She's probably feeling a bunch. Anyway, so Scarlett immediately noticed him, felt for him, was telling me all about him. Like, mom, it's really difficult for him to talk. It's difficult for him to use his hands, but he has like this machine that he uses to communicate. She's telling me all about him. And then after they'd had a few days of being together as a class, she came home and she said, mom, I just feel so bad. There's three other boys in the class and they're sitting at their table having fun and he's sitting by himself with the girls. And I just want them to invite him over to their table mm-hmm. so that he should be included too. Yeah. So just the fact mm-hmm. that I just love that she's seeing that. And then we had to take it a step further. I said, so those boys are maybe not going to know to invite him over or to advocate for him, but you can. Yeah. I know that might be really challenging, but you can say, hey, guys, can you have Gavin come sit with you? Um, and she she wants to try it. She hasn't done it yet, but she wants to try it. And she keeps saying, I just don't want him to feel like I'm treating him any different. Mm-hmm. So I think he'd actually feel really loved by you wanting to include him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think those are the kinds of eyes we all want to have. Yes. You know? And other-centered um, Yeah, eyes. thinking about how he might feel versus yes. how uncomfortable she might feel by doing something yes. else. Yeah, and she's, yeah. Na- she's naturally yeah. one of the most thoughtful people yeah, I've ever is. met. That's yeah, what Diane is. is saying. She's yeah. uh, she's being like Jesus there. If I were that boy, yeah. what would I want? Yes. Yeah. I'd want to be included. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great way to, to end. So the four things, really quick, create a culture of self-awareness, create a culture of curiosity rather than judgment, create a culture of discernment and create an others centered culture. Uh, for anyone listening, just want to let you know, we do have some exciting interviews coming up. We have John Tyson on the podcast again, which is going to be really fun. Yes. And then we have Dr. Chinway Williams, um, which is, she's an amazing uh, therapist, but also author of a book called scene. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on the, yeah. the podcast. And then we, Diane, Phil, myself, we're all going to be in Nashville this week. So if you're that's in Nashville, where you're going to record John Tyson, that's where we're, meeting yeah, up we're over there. thrilled to be going to the Awana child discipleship forum. Yes. And, uh, they're two great guys, Matt Markins, the president and Michael Handler. These guys are taking Awana into the future. It's, it's, it's an older ministry, but they're really, I couldn't, I, mean, I can't touch, believe I'm saying it's on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be in um, Awana conference. Diane and I got invited. <laughs> To, to share that we're very fun. excited about it but you're coming along it's going to be fun and we're going to interview those guys so it'll be great to see John yes so uh, thank you for listening to today's episode 